New Yorkers have the reputation for being unfriendly. Not true. We just don't trust people who are, who are overly so. And God help you if you knock on our door for a cup of sugar or, quote, just to talk. We value our privacy, damn it. So mind your business. Don't show me yours, hey, and I won't show you mine. Mike Vogel was an elementary school teacher in Brooklyn, stand-up comic at Dangerfields, and wrote for Rodney, an off-Broadway produced playwright, written many hundreds of columns for the Daily News, Newsday, AM New York, and a confessed New Yorker with an attitude. We met Mike at a bar crawl radio park bench chat recording in Riverside Park when we asked him if he loved his job. Would you like to talk about your job and whether you loved it or not, or love it? Not today, but thanks. Why not today? What's wrong with today? Today's a, what's wrong with today? Today's a, I Let's mean, talk about that. Yeah, we could talk about <laughs> ah, why, what's, what's wrong, wrong with, with today. Couple of minutes, sorry, a couple okay, of minutes. okay. Yeah. Tell us your first name. Mike. Mike. Hey, Mike. Are you an Upper West Sider? Yes, I am. And um, we're really asking Upper West Siders whether you love your job or not. So what I, job do you I love do? my job. Um, I'm semi-retired, but I write columns for newspapers. Oh, nice. Um, I wrote steady comms for Newsday for about um, eight or nine years oh. in AM New York. So what kind of topics do you write about? Anything that annoys me. <laughs> that annoys oh, you. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Ah, that's, get, that's a to, good job. Do you get to choose your, your, your topics? Well, I did. My editor just left recently, so I'm not sure what my status is. Today, we will be talking with Mike Vogel about his recently published book, New York Attitude. I am Rebecca McCain, and with my co-host, Alan Winson, and we are finally, we are back. Yeah, we are we're back. We're in our favorite our bar. our favorite bar on the Upper West Side, Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar on West 72nd Street, across from the mortuary and down the block from Central Park and the New York Lawn Bowling Club. That's yeah, mine. We're going to talk more about the New York Lawn Bowling Club. New York Lawn Bowling Club in a few minutes, Mike. Oh, boy. Yeah, okay. yeah. Which you know nothing about. <laughs> right. So with that little bit of intro, here we go. Mike? Yes. Vogel. Correct. Welcome, welcome. We, uh, you recently had a book published uh, with a collection of your newspaper columns featuring our great city and its inhabitants. But before we talk about New York attitudes. Okay, attitude, single. Go attitude. Ahead. Yes. Attitude. So I always thought it could be New York City attitude. Because New York is the whole state. People say New York, they think the city. Okay, all right. I think. That's fair enough. Yeah, I, I think, think New York. So too. Right. Yeah. I just say the city. The city. Well, don't say that to my brother in Brooklyn. He gets very offended by that. <laughs> ah. <laughs> all right, so we want to get to know you a bit uh, okay. before, we, before we talk about the book. You were born in Brooklyn. Yes, I was. I was born in Brooklyn, too. Hey. Yeah, but I, I didn't have the advantage of growing up in Brooklyn. You didn't have it? No. So, hence, maybe not the attitude. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, oh. I, I grew up in the South, and I'm kind of calm. Oh. He's got an attitude. He's more of a curmudgeon. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us about your early life in Brooklyn. Uh, you said you were hanging out with rowdy friends. I read that in one of your um, columns. Maybe that was a little exaggeration. They were just typical Brooklyn kids, you know, rowdy. And um, we would... Well, what does rowdy mean? All right, let me try to take an example. Uh, we would ride the subways for fun. Okay. Okay, we wanted to go to the beach, but we left too early. And um, we would ride in the... We were about 10 minutes from Brighton Beach, Coney Island. And um, we'd go in the other direction just to kill time. And there were four of us. So we said, why don't we play a game? Why don't we each get off at a different stop, and then we'll meet on the way back 
and head, it'll be fun, right? So <laughs> Wait, you're going away. We're from going away because we're going to Brighton Beach Baths. And you have a whole day. And yeah, we have, but it doesn't open until nine o'clock. We're on the subway at eight o'clock for some reason, oh, so yeah. we have to kill an hour. So my friend Alan and I. Alan, that's Alan, okay. Alan, there, there we you go. go. Well, you might not identify here. So, and our other friends, Eddie and Marvin, are on the train, and we say to Eddie and Marvin, "Why don't we each get off at a separate stop, and then on the way back to Brighton Beach, we'll get on and join forces. It won't be fun." So what? We we let Eddie off at one stop. We let Marvin off at another local stop. We go to an express stop, take the express past the stops they're at. Look at them waiting for us. They show up three hours later. And they go, where were you? We go, hey, where were you? <laughs> oh, you didn't, you didn't wave to them as you went by? Oh, no, no, no. We just you ducked. Were, we just let them stand okay. there. I see. So I see. that's, I guess, rowdy friends. All right. Okay. okay. That's right. interesting. Right. And then, and then you, you, what would you do when you get to Brighton <coughs> Beach? And well, we'd be swimming. We'd be having fun. They'd be uh, waiting for the train. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I know. Well, evil. That's great. Um, I like you, it. You, you had, uh, there was two friends you mentioned here, uh, Eddie and Lonnie. Eddie and Lonnie. Um, Eddie was a friend in the building. Lonnie was really Lenny. I was trying to disguise his... Uh, oh, now it's yeah. out. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, when did I mention that? I mentioned that as far as ice skating, right? As far as going to Rockefeller Center, I think. And No, I didn't read that one. So where'd you get no, Lonnie no, no. and I, Lenny? I, I, I got it from <laughs> your story about DeMonico DeMarco, the pizza maker. Oh, oh, yeah. You wrote these things about... Uh, oh, yeah, I wrote these years ago. Years yeah, ago. Yeah, this is... Um, El Faro, not El Faro. This uh, is the De Faro. De Faro, De Faro. Yeah, De, that was my hangout. Actually, right. as a kid, we were teenagers and we hung out at De Faro. It's like this is your life. This was my life. We yeah. went there. We hung out there. We there's a jukebox, and Lenny or Lonnie, just came back from the service. He was 18. He joined and he'd play Soldier Boy over and over on the jukebox. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there which you would go. drive Dom crazy, and after the about tenth time, he threw. Lenny out of the street. <laughs> and um, then we always thought the pizza was great, but you know, it's our neighborhood. Now it's the most famed pizza in, New York, in the city. Is right. it? Oh, yeah. it's, it's oh, still Ferris rated number one, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. there's lines out the door. Leonardo DiCaprio goes there. It's like, right, very and you trendy. write about that, right? Yeah. Oh, right. wow. Right. Have, you, have you been back? Yeah, I was back, except it's not the same. It's it, not Dom- Domenico. It's not. His the, pizza. It, well, too many people there, I guess. T- the line goes down the block. Yeah. He moved to a, if possible, even bigger dump than he had before. It, you know, he moved down a block. It's still a dump, it's, though. It's worse, but it's like cool to be a dump, you know. So yeah. I don't want to wait 45 minutes to have a slice of pizza, which used to cost me 15 cents. Now it's seven dollars a slice or something, six Ouch. or seven dollars. Right, and you're in Ouch. a dump. And I'm, I'm an, and I'm, my old neighborhood is not the way it used to be, and um, no. So I go, but then I realize my mistake and turn around and and leave. Okay, yes. all right, right. right. Um, Talking about the subway, the subway has been a, like a really big yes. part of your of your upbringing. Absolutely. Clearly, it comes up in your writing all the time. You're right. What what is it about this superstructure that's running like a bloodstream through our through our city? It's freedom. It's freedom for a kid. You you know, I'd leave my house in the morning. I either play in the streets like all the kids did at th- in those days, or I'd, we'd ride the subway. And the subway was either take us to the beach. Sometimes we go to the city and go to NBC and pick up a pile of tickets, <clears throat> pardon me, for game shows during the day. Wow. And we'd, I'd sit with my friends and watch Concentration, The Price is Right, back to back to back. It was freedom. And you'd go into the audience and you... Yeah, we'd go into the audience and we'd sit there. We'd watch Bill Cullen or whoever was up there, Jack Barry. We were like 12. 
and that would be your entertainment for the day. That's wow. fun. <clears throat> Get back on the subway, go home. My parents didn't care, you know. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So the subway was freedom. Subway represent, I would guess, I would say freedom. Okay. Yeah, it it gets you places. It's cheap, and it was safe then. Seven hundred miles. Right. Of freedom. That's right. So yeah. the subway then and the subway now, what it's not the same, not is it? Not at all, because. And I, we're going to talk more because I want to get some sure, specific stories. Sure, I will. Give but you. just generally, what would you say the <coughs> difference is? Um, safety. I would go as a. 11-year-old on the subway with friends and my mother who was not, you know, I mean, she was pretty strict and just let us go because she knew it was safe. Mm. Nobody would bother us. Um, the subway today, I mean, I'll give you a story. Um, I was on the subway about a week or two ago mm-hmm. and coming into 96th Street Station, somebody was screaming on the subway and looked deranged and was threatening people. So I got off at 96 and I looked for a cop. There was none. Mm. I went up to the um, ticket, you know, the token booth. Nothing was, no cops. I yeah. went outside. No token booth anymore because we don't sorry. have tokens anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm right. revealing my age here, I guess. But yes, the token booth, the whatever booth they do, the yeah. nothing booth. Um, and then I went outside in the street. And there were six cops looking at their phones. Mm. So With I, no masks on. With no masks on. Yeah. So I contacted the um, person in charge of that district's uh, transit police. I think his name is Hout, H-A-U-T. I emailed them, and I said, "This is what happened." This is what happened, and uh, why are all these cops outside? And no cops on the platform. He said, "Well, I'm going." He sent me back an answer in 15 minutes. I thought mm. this is great. Mm. I'm going to instruct my lieutenants to tell the officers to be on the platform, not outside. I'm like, great. Wow, to, what to, power you have, Mike? I know. I was because I said I'm a, I'm a writer, and you know I'm going to write this up. And That's he right. was like, okay, I'm going to get back to this guy. And bullshit him is no, can I say that on your Yes, you can yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, this is a bar. But I didn't know he was bullshitting me at the time, so I felt this is terrific. Well, of course he was. Yeah. Well, thanks. Right. Yeah. 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 He was. And I, I mean, so, how, how bad, how, how cool, you can get rid of someone real quickly right. by just saying, yeah, I'll, sure, I'll do I'll what do you it. say. Right. And then forget about but it. But I'm, you know, I'm an idealist and I'm a trusting soul. Right. And I said, great. And two weeks later, there's still four cops out there, nobody, one cop inside by the turnstiles. And no cops on the platform, let alone the trains. And then a woman is shoved face first on Times Square into a train that's oncoming and suffers serious injuries. And de Blasio says, oh, they're uh, positioned exactly where they should be. Mm-hmm. Mm. Really? Yeah, yeah right. Now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. a lot of your writing is politically oriented. I mean, yes. clearly you don't like de Blasio and you no. didn't like Cuomo. And, well, yeah. Cuomo, no, Cuomo I didn't dislike. I didn't love him, but I, I thought he was capable person. Yeah. I don't think de Blasio is a capable uh, politician right. or a human being. We weren't, I did name our, our talk towards <laughs> politics, um, but certainly if something comes up and you need to say it. Right. And you, can, say and you can edit, I'm sure. Right. Right. Now, <laughs> there's one thing I'm going to say now. I'm, I'm kind of off. You, you, you're hitting the table. Oh, all right. No. And um, I realize that's part of your. Yes. Part of my attitude. Part of your attitude. Yes. So, um, okay. So no, I just want to. I'll keep my just, hands. I'll sit on them. There you go. Okay. Or you can or, hit or yourself. Not. Or I could hit yourself. Whatever Back. I, yeah, whatever so I do here is my own business. But I'm pumped. Yes, you were saying. You taught in uh, Brooklyn Elementary School, mm-hmm. uh, public school, sixth yes. grade. Sixth grade. Have you ever written about that experience? <clears throat> Only indirectly when I write columns. Um, I actually, my latest column is about De Blasio cutting the gifted programs. Uh huh. And I taught the gifted programs for three years in a really tough school in East New York, Brooklyn. And then seven years I taught Rucker. Can you name the school? 
Yeah, PS three oh six. Okay. And um, I taught every kid in my class was a kid, you know, of color, uh, was not, you know, economically disadvantaged. I guess is the proper term for it. And it was great. The kids learned. I mean, I wouldn't say all of them were gifted, but half of them are gifted. Half of them were just smart and attentive. And but this wasn't a, a legally uh, a designated. Yeah, gifted. it was. Oh, it was. It was okay. a designated. Intellectually gifted, I took 12 credits teaching the gifted, postgraduate credits. It was great. So when de Blasio wants to cut gifted programs, instead of expanding gifted programs into disadvantaged neighborhoods, I chafe at that. Why'd you stop teaching? Um, all right, well, if you read my book, New York Attitude, which can be gotten <laughs> on Amazon, out. Mike Vogel, type it in. Um, yes, I stopped teaching uh, when I was 30. Uh, I was living, if you, well, you read the book. I did. <laughs> yeah, I, li- I was living a very uh, good But I didn't get the specifics in the book exactly why oh, you well, then I'll You said some of the kids were good and some were It's not good. that. It wasn't that. Yeah. Until I was 30, I felt I was living somebody else's life. Yeah. I was living a very conservative life in Brooklyn. I was married. Um, I taught in, um, I taught where I told you. Right. Uh, she taught. She was a teacher. Okay. Uh, she was a very quiet woman, nice woman. But I'm going to hold your hand. Hold my hand. Would you hold my Thank you. Because it's very upsetting. It's very traumatic for me. Um, <laughs> it was horrible. No. Um, but I. No, I'm holding your hand because you're hitting the table. Oh, I got you. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I, oh, I, I don't want to judge you. Because, you know, no, no, absolutely nothing wrong with right, that. Right, right. Um, but. Where was I? <laughs> but your wife was teaching oh, yeah. at so the school. Oh, yeah, my wife was teaching at the school. I had a very conservative life. And I don't know if you're familiar with the talking head song, uh, Once in a Lifetime. This is not my beautiful wife. This is not my beautiful home. My God, what have I done? It's a good song. <laughs> and that's what I felt. Like, I'm living somebody else's life. I Teaching's fine, but I shouldn't be in the classroom. Nice woman. This shouldn't be my wife. This house <gasps> has nothing to do with me. I didn't wow. decorate and I just, Did you like wake up one morning and go like, wait a second, yeah, I'm yeah. in an alternate reality. Yes, it's I did. Not mine. Wow. And I did it because, uh, you know, after uh, going to therapy, <laughs> I get, um, my mother died a year before. Ah, uh, that, that'll, that'll do it. That'll <clears throat> and, wake you up. Yeah, and you feel like you're next, and this is your one shot in life. Right. She was your buffer. <clears throat> yeah, she no. was. Well, it's like, well, she's alive, right. and now she's gone, so I'll, you know, you're next the next. Generation, next. And do I want to live my real life or do I want to live this life? Wow. And I just changed everything. I got divorced. I moved to Manhattan. I quit my job. Went into stand-up comedy. Right down the line. In one in six months, I changed everything in my life. And it was it was the best thing I've ever done. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk. Can we, can we move on? Um, yeah. Let's talk about your uh, work at Dangerfield's Comedy okay. Club. Is that still open? I don't know. I don't think it is. It's on know. the east side. It was open after he died for a while. I don't yeah, know if it's open. open for a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Keep my hand up. Uh, um, yeah. Dangerfield was um, what happened. I was an MC. I was performing at a club. <gasps> you were an MC at Dangerfield? No. No. no oh, I, yeah, I, I yeah. Never, look, I mean, I wish I had the attitude then that I have now. Mm-hmm. I was 30. I was, you know, not as confident. But I was, you know, I, I did song parodies with a guitar. Mm. And you play the guitar? Yeah, I play the guitar oh, and sing. And, um, you know, it was going pretty well. And I did uh, something at the club where somebody saw me, saw me from Dangerfields and said, this is great, I'd like you to come up and perform there. So I went up there, performed. And then I was there every Sunday going up. And I, met, I, wrote, I started writing jokes for him because I found I like writing more than performing. And I wrote a joke for him, he liked it. And he gave me his home address. I said, Do you remember the joke? 
What was the joke? Oh, it was, you know, it's his formula. No I know, respect. I know, I know. Yeah. We're, we're right. going to play a little bit of his. Uh, okay. Just to get a taste of it. He did it on it. Carson. He actually, I was watching Carson. Oh, he did your joke on yeah, Carson? Yeah, I was sitting with my wife at the time. That's and I'm cool. like, yeah. Did you wow. get residuals on it? I got $50. <laughs> Flat fee, go away. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he didn't. Well, the joke was, um, yeah, I get no respect. Even my doctor, Vinny Bombats, I go there, you know, he's not even paying attention. First he grabs my knee and asks me to cough. <laughs> then he hits me in the balls with a little hammer. <laughs> no respect at all. Yeah, no respect. No respect. No, no respect. They say crotch on, right? on Carson. But that was perfect. Thank you. But well, it's nice seeing some folks here from television tell you that. that one guy gave me a hard time. He kept looking at me and looking at me. He said, what I know you from, you know? I said, you ever watch a Tonight Show, Johnny Cost? He said, yeah, you too. <laughs> hey, good crowd, good crowd, huh? You know me, I love crowds. I love crowds. When I was a kid, my house was always crowded, always people around. You know, I come from a big old-fashioned, hard-working, stupid family. That's what I come from. What a dumb family I got. Are you kidding? Last week, I looked up my family tree. I found out I'm the sap. That, that's, that's Rodney Dangerfield. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Tell us about Rodney. What, was he like that? Was he? No, was yes. <laughs> I was, you know, still a kid, 30, 31 at the time. Yeah. And I was in his club. And... You know, I go up to him shyly, and I go, Hi, I'm Mike Vogel. Mm-hmm. I wrote these jokes for you. And he goes, Oh, yeah, you're funny. You're funny, kid. You got any cigarettes? I left mine in the machine. <laughs> That's the first thing he says to me. I left mine in the machine. <laughs> That's what he's... And, I'm, and he's exactly the same off stage as on stage, and he's drinking a lot. I'm not revealing anything nobody doesn't know. Okay. And um, I'm thinking, he's got to go up soon. He's bobbed. And I'm worried about him. Yeah. And he goes up there and he's perfect. Yeah. You know, he's, he's fine. But he was a nice guy. He was, whatever you saw is what he was. Wow. Wow. And depressed. Was and he? And depressed. Yeah. A, lot yeah. of me- a lot of com- comedi- com- comedians are. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. they're not happy people. I mean, no. look at the, what's the guy, Robin Williams. Robin he Williams. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. Uh, so he had his issues, but um, drank, you know, and he, uh, but he was funny. He was funny off stage. He was funny on stage, and uh, but you never like socialized with him, or nah, just at the club. I would see him at the club. I had his home address. I'd mail him jokes. Yeah, and um, that was you know that was my experience in performing at the club, which was weird for me because this club was a real serious nightclub. Oh no, this is big time. This is old yeah. school too. The comedy old club. Old school, and the light is right in your face. You, you can't see anybody in the audience. It's pitch black out there, but they can see you. But he was always talking to people in the audience. Yeah, well, in front. Uh, well, he was just pretending he was talking. What, uh, what about you? You're, you're so oh, ugly. Okay. Uh, but you see the people in the front row or two. You don't see the rest of the people. You hear them. But I'm, you know, I was not used to it. I was fairly new to it. But I had my guitar and my song, so if I got something in front of you to protect you, I could sing my parodies and right. I could go through it, and they'd like that or not, and I do a few and get off. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Why did you did you stop? Yeah, I stopped. Like I said, I realized I like writing much more than performing. Other performers love being on stage. I could take or leave it. Yeah. But I love going home and writing new material. I love writing for other people. And then I just slowly slid into writing for people, writing little one act skits and what act plays then I joined the workshop a playwriting workshop and that's what we want to talk about yeah, okay. yeah, yeah absolutely you, you also produced um, at playwright in 2016 at the Lion Theater on Theater Row right right and in 2018 at Seven Angels Theater in Connecticut correct is your playwriting connected with your other lives you're as a teacher as a stand-up comedian um, I wrote a, a play um, and I sent it to Tribeca Film Centers. Uh, they have uh, they put a new play on every month, or they did. 
It's Robert De Niro's place downtown. Sure. And I said, they're not going to do this. You know, they get thousands of entries. And they picked my play, and they did it. I went there by myself because I was afraid that it would get a terrible reaction. I don't want to go with anybody. And I sat next to a woman I didn't know. And she said, oh, I really like this play. You know who wrote it? I said, yeah, me. Uh-huh. And she said she's a publisher of trade publications. And did I ever write business? I said, a little bit, not much. She said, well, you could do it. Long story sort of short, I started working for a company for 16 years, business, writing in a trade publication. I left that business, that uh, writing job, and wrote a play about that company called March Madness and had it produced at the Abington Theater. So that was my first off-Broadway production. About So I got into playwriting. <laughs> I got into playwriting. I'm going to do it too. I'm Stop doing that. Cut it out. I got into playwriting. And then I got into a 16-year job from my playwriting, and I got back into playwriting by writing about that company. Wow. So a little convoluted, but that's what happens. That was March Madness, my first play, which was about my life at that company. And then later I wrote uh, Senior Moment, which became Second Chance. Uh, oh, Senior Moment became Second yeah, se- Chance. Yeah, same play. Okay. Same play. March Madness is separate. Uh, March Madness is about my job at the company. Can you say the name of the company? Uh, Ratchet Press. Rat? R-A-C-H-E-R. Ratcher Press. Ratcher Press, which are two trade publications. Okay. Drugstores and Mass Market, Walgreens, okay. Walmart. Was that an alternate universe for you, or was that where you lived? It, no, it was an alternate universe, and I told her, I'm, I'm a creator. So you keep getting attracted to alternate universes. I just, well, I, I wasn't making money. I, yeah. I said, I could, she said, you could do it. If you could write this play, you could do this. She gave me a few copies of the magazine. She said, just walk, look at the style. It was easy. And you were making a living. So what yeah. kind of articles would you write? Uh, I was the beauty editor, believe it or not. The reason was, even though we had a, a female publisher, she didn't hire women, only for you know secretarial jobs. Wow! So all the writers were men. Huh. So a big part of drugstores is beauty. Yeah. So I was the only one who was like semi-presentable and normal in the company as a writer. Wow! So they sent me out, and I would be the only male at these shows, these beauty events. Well, it's a good place to meet women, I guess. It's a good place to meet. Beauty editors 20 years younger than me and okay. with attitudes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but it was fun. And I'd meet Shania Twain when she had a new fragrance. I'd meet uh, uh, all models and um, Cindy Crawford. Um, I met oh. Sarah Jessica Parker doing a hair. Uh, so you, know. you would interview them? Yeah, I'd interview them about their product. I met Shania Twain. You know, it's me and 30 women. These are beautiful women. These, yeah, tell me about it. Tall, yeah. very tall. Yeah. So, um, I, I met Shania Twain. She had a new uh, fragrance, Shania! Exclamation point. Shania. Right. What did Shania, Shania smell like? Is she the country singer? I could tell you literally what Shania smelled like. <laughs> well, the beauty editors were asking her questions. I'm like, I don't know what to ask her. So when she comes to me, I said, are you wearing it now? And she says, I am. Would you like to sniff it? Oh. And she sticks her arm out. Right. So I start sniffing up her arm from her wrist up to her shoulder. <laughs> and I'm thinking all the time, I'm getting paid for this. <laughs> This is great. Let's see how far I can go. Well, and she liked it. We were having fun. I was like, this is just wonderful. So. Good for you, Mike. Yeah, thank you. So you write about meeting Jan- uh, James Gandolfini, too. Yes. When you were both part of the drama project Playwrights and Actors Group. Correct. So you say mm-hmm. that Gandolfini wasn't a sweet guy. He was not Tony Soprano. The end of New York Attitude has inspirations in the book. It's, uh, and one of the inspirations was James Gandolfini. And he sat next to me in the Drama Project. He was a tall, slim guy with hair at the time. Oh, oh wow. wow. <laughs> nice guy, big guy. He <clears throat> needed to put on weight to get the role. <clears throat> well, he wasn't skinny. He just was in shape. Yeah. And um, he sat next to me. He was a new actor. 
and in our wisdom, we never cast them in anything. Yeah, that's, nothing. That that surprises me because, I mean, you look at him in Sopranos or anything that he did. Yeah, well, now you do. But then he's just a new big guy sitting next to me. And but he, he couldn't have been that different. I mean, when he, he was got a nice on stage, guy. he was a nice guy. But oh. we never saw him act. Oh, so he never got a chance to. What happened was the writers who were there for a while like to cast people that they knew oh. so they can count on them. Yeah. So unless the person running the workshop would say, look, you got to cast two new people today, yeah. no, the new people didn't get cast, which yeah, was I not fair. To, I used wow. to be an actor, okay. so I, know, I yeah. know what that's about. So he'd sit there, and after about four to six months, I guess, he went to the person running and said, look, you know, it's not for me. I'm not going anywhere with yeah, this. Yeah, and they said, well, let me give you your money back. He goes, no, 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 it's fine. Like, he was very gentle guy. Wow. <clears throat> and... You know, I talked to him a little bit when he sat next to him. I wasn't his buddy, but he went out with us afterwards a couple of times. Yeah. Very shy, self-effacing guy. Very self-effacing. And he's a really good actor because he's playing Tony Soprano, which is nothing like him at all. Right. And did you read when I met him at the, uh, at the restaurant in the Upper West Side afterwards? Yes, 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 yeah. yes, absolutely. I ran into it with my girlfriend. And you wanted to, you, you wanted to kind of like be... Leave him alone. Respectful. This is later after he had become a well-known actor? This is actor? after the first year of The Sopranos. Okay, right. okay. And he's yeah. big. He's, he's big. Huge. Now he's big. He's sitting in the corner. I hadn't seen him for a few years. And, and New Yorkers, we leave <clears throat> our, our, yes, you know, our celebrities alone. <clears throat> Unfortunately, there were people there who weren't real New Yorkers who were go. just circling him and bothering him, and he's waiting. And I'm with my girlfriend. I say, I actually know him, you know, yeah. but I don't want to bother him. But then he comes over to the bar right next to me. And he, he says, hey, I know you. And we start talking. Yeah. And he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm starting to write columns. Oh, he's like encouraging me. And I said, how about you? You up to anything new? <laughs> and, and he liked that. He goes, nah, just drinking, same crap. That's yeah. funny. And it was great. Wow. And, and my girlfriend said, God, he's so sweet. I said, yeah, yeah he is. He's not like that character. Wow. That's great. Wow. Wow. That's, That's in the book. Take a look at New York Attitude. Uh, easy to get on Amazon. Just type in New York Attitude and Mike Vogel. Right. You lucky listeners are experiencing this unique brand of podcasting called Bar Crawl Radio. We are talking with Mike Vogel on the porch of Gebhard's Beer Culture Bar on the Upper West Side, neighborhood of Manhattan. It's a beautiful, beautiful afternoon, early in the afternoon. We're, we're, we're really lucky to have such nice warm weather towards this, the middle of October. This is supposed to be the last day in the 70s for about six months. So. Oh, okay. Oh, All right. Ouch. Breathe Sorry. it in. Breathe Sorry. it in. Yeah. Enjoy this day. Um, yes. So let's talk about New York City. I'm called New York City Attitudes. The book is New York Attitude. As I said before, you write a lot and you were inspired by, by the subway, uh, the New York subway system. And it still is a big, a big part of your writing. I don't know if it is now, but it, it, it certainly is it, in the book. It evolved. I mean, it used to right. be a love story. Now it's a uh, betrayal story. Let's, let's talk about the betrayal story. Some of the things that you wrote about. Right. You said you hate the Showtime dancers in the subway. Yes. What, what, what do you mean? Well... Hanging on the bars and swinging. Yeah, describe that. People, people in uh, in Oshkosh, okay. they don't know about this. Um, a group of young men, usually, occasionally a girl, but usually a young guy or a bunch of young guys, come on with a big boombox and um, start doing acrobatics and dancing to the uh, songs. Which, okay, you know, there is. Well, wait a minute. They're really kind of amazing what they do. I they're mean, very good at what they do. They're very good at what they do. What bothers me is swinging and they're just missing by inches kicking people in the face i've never seen them kick anyone though well, well that doesn't mean that it hasn't happened it, yeah. it, it's it's close and yeah. and it scares people and if somebody if somebody protests they get angry 
and yeah. I've seen him really lambaste somebody. For oh doing wow! It. Yeah, shut the hell, yeah. shut the fuck up. You know, really. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So that's why I'm. Yeah, and these are really physical. Yeah, these built are guys. Very guys. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's the music's fine, and I, you know, but it's it's dangerous. Yeah, I think as long as you're on the other end of the uh, yeah, then you can enjoy it. As long as you're not getting kicked in the face, right, it's great. Right, they also kind of suck up the air. I mean, they ca- they come on and it's like you have to watch. Me. Right, exactly. You know, hey, I was reading a good book. Right, I it's, just you you're know, into my space. It's intrusive. Now. It's okay. intrusive. I think so too. Yeah. Okay. I agree. You don't have a big problem with rats on the subway. No. Rats are really misunderstood. All right, tell us about get a bad rap. Tell us about the New York City rats that are misunderstood. Well, I mean, who likes rats? You know, rats. Our daughter, she had two rats for pets. That's it. And when I was in college, I had a rat in the lab. You know, that was a sweet rat. It was smart. Rats are smart. Most people don't have that association with rats. Right. They have the and they'll leave you alone if you leave them alone. Exactly. They're New Yorkers. Yeah. They're New Yorkers. Yeah. They leave you alone if you leave them alone. They're just doing their thing. (laughs) And if you need proof of that, what are they? Like they said, there's three or four million rats in New York. A lot of them are in the subway system. How often do you see somebody getting bitten by a rat? Very rarely. Right. They, I've never heard of it. You had, right. one, you had one story about a, a, a photographer who yeah. was trying to film a rat and, and he, he was, was getting he was, in the rat's space. He was vi- I do the same thing. Yeah. He was videoing the, ra- the rat. <laughs> and, you know, with a bright light on the rat. Yeah. And the rat freaked out. So the rat ran toward him, and he freaked out. Yeah. And the rat ran between his legs. And he said, I'm bit, I'm bit. I'm bit. He, he wasn't bit. Yeah. He, just, he just bumped into by the rat. I mean, if somebody's filming you without your permission with a light in your face, right. what, how are you going to react? Right. So the rat ran through his legs and then ran down on the platform. Yeah. So what? Poor rat. Yeah, poor rat. Not poor yeah, him. Right. No. And as you said, you leave them alone, they leave you alone. And, you know, I mean, the thing, you know what it is? They're not cute. Squirrels are cute. Rats are tr- their, their face is okay. It's the tail. The tail. The you tail put a bushy is, tail on a rat. It's like a, all it's of a sudden, squirrel. It's, yeah, it's exactly. a squirrel. Exactly. And look at these cuties. Squirrels have rabies. I mean, they're not nice. They, you know, they're not any nicer no. than rats. But rats... I've had worse time with squirrels than rats. I'll bet you. Yeah. Kind of biting through my bag to get at the food and stuff. Because oh, yeah, people feed them and they're like, yeah. they're ready to go. Yeah. yeah. But rats just... I mean, you know what? It's, what's the word? Lookism. 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 Yeah. That's like ageism and racism. Lookism. It's, it's, it's a real word. That people are prejudiced based on how you look. How you look. Better looking uh, people get better jobs. Oh, well, that's, yeah. They, right. They're treated better. Taller people. Yeah, you come into thing. a restaurant. Oh, you sit in the front. Right. And people who don't look as good, like, if you look like, you know, say Someone a rat. Someone should get on the rat side. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well hello. He I mean, look, the union Mike uses Vogel. the rat to represent bad landlords. and Exactly. Right? Yeah. Big rat in front with red eyes. Yeah. How would you feel? That's not They're fair. They're much maligned. Yeah. They're much maligned, misunderstood. Misunderstood. Yeah. And, um, yeah, We know. can go on and on about rats. Yeah. Please get <laughs> New York attitude because the joke right at the end was very funny. I don't know if you want to tell it or well, you remember I don't, it. I don't remember it. It was about the rat going, going car to car and was uh, panhandling and Oh, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that rats don't do that. Rats don't panhandle. I know, but if they did. Oh, they, oh, they, you know, got any spare cheese? <laughs> yeah. You know, they're not, they're not doing that. They're right. leaving you alone. They're leaving us alone. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> any spare Limburger? Any spare cheese? They'll take your garbage. <laughs> they'll t- yeah, they just, they'll just take yeah. our garbage. Well, you know? yeah. I'm really peaceful. I haven't, I don't They rob, are peaceful. I they, don't rob or steal. If they weren't peaceful, there'd be people oh, bitten God. all over the place, right? That's oh, true. Oh, God, right, right. You talk about the foul-mouthed, chunky lady. And the tourists. <laughs> that's a real story. Most of them. Oh, are. I assumed it yeah, was. That's real. a real story. I loved it. I mean, you know, the tourists didn't. 
No. Yeah. They didn't um, get it. They well, they're not going to get it. They're not New Yorkers. No. And you know, she. I, I'm trying to remember all the stories. That one was yeah. She's. Yeah, not, I read your book. You haven't read it. In a well, while. I I wrote the book. But okay. I, but that I, doesn't mean you read. I haven't it. read exactly. <laughs> so what stories? Oh yes. So uh, there's there's a woman on the train and she's heavy set. She's sitting there and uh, I don't know if she's homeless or just nasty, but she's sitting there. And these two obvious tourists come on, and she says, um, "Oh, nice shoes." <laughs> And the woman says, thank you, for a whore. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the woman's like, and she runs away for the, yeah, run, run, you bitch. And she's screaming at her. And then, you know, she just, it was, uh, it was great. And then it was an experience of someone who has no, you know, hasn't dealt with women, people like this. You know, it's like she fell into yeah, it. Right. Oh, nice shoes you got. Yeah. Thank you so much. You know? She felt right. For a whore. Yeah. You know. Right. It was so, like Rodney Dangerfield in a way. Well, yeah, sort of. But she, you know, she didn't have the panache. Not, not the panache. No, no, no. no. She, she didn't smelled. have the tie. She didn't have the tie. <laughs> right. Or the tie. She couldn't pull the tie, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice shoes. Yeah, nice shoes. Like your shoes. Yeah, what'd you get them? That's right. He could understand that. Exactly. Yeah, it's good for a whore. Right. Nice for a whore. So, yeah, but that's... We just shrug that off. It's like another day on the subway. Right, you go. Sugar home. Good to joke. Sugar right. home and tell the story about, about how bad New Yorkers are. How horrible the New Yorkers are. Right? Okay, yeah. new, new topic. Several of your pieces are concerned with how outsiders see the inhabitants of New York City. We've, we, we've already kind of talked about okay. this tourist and went screaming home, said, New York, I'll, yeah. never, I'll, I'll never go back. Um, and it's gotten, it's gotten a bad reputation. Right, New York. Is it fair? No. And, and I think a lot of it is from. I mean, when I was working at Ratcher, I had to show a lot of these businessmen around, and they would, how can you live here? It's such a filthy place. The food is overpriced. I said, because you're in Midtown, that 20-block area in Midtown, that's not where most New Yorkers live. I said, that's your experience. Walk 20 blocks in any direction, you'll have a different attitude. Because they're seeing people lying on the streets. They're seeing, uh, you know, they're going to a restaurant paying $24 for a hamburger. And that's their experience of New York. That's it. So I tell them, just come to my neighborhood, come to the Upper West Side, go anywhere except Midtown. So that's, I think, a large part of why they feel New York is what it is. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me a lot of it has to do with, the, with film. Film and television present New York as a violent, yeah. you know, dangerous place. And I, I mean, I, I see these things, and it's very upsetting because yeah. we're not that way. Now, now I'm, I, I need to call you on something. Yeah. Because right. um, you also observe <laughs> that certain um, that there's a borough rivalry. Yes, there is be- between the boroughs. Manhattaners, sophisticated, snobby. Staten Islanders, working class. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, um, it's generalization. Yeah. And so, like, it, it is a generalization, <laughs> yeah. but you obviously you, you you connect to it. Right. You also said that Upper West Siders are unfriendly. Now no. we're Upper West Siders. Well, but, well, you, you were unfriendly <coughs> when you came up to the desk, and we got you in. That's right. <laughs> well, because I understood you. Oh, okay. Because I knew, as somebody who wasn't a New Yorker, who was visiting me from the South, said, New Yorkers are the opposite of us. You're hard on the outside and soft on the inside. There you go. We're soft on the in- outside and hard on the inside. That's I thought right. that was a really good observation. Yeah. <coughs> so, yeah, I said, I know, I said, I live on the Upper West Side. Compared to what? To Upper East Side? Is there worse? They're worse. <laughs> Okay, let's do that. When you say worse than better, yeah. what, what is it? What are the characters of the Upper West Side that is that Upper you West like, S- and Upper East Side? Because I agree with you. I just yeah. want to hear it put into words. Yeah, and of course, these are generalizations. I know some very lovely, lovely people from the Upper East Side. Absolutely, absolutely. Some they, of the best people I know. So are from the Upper you know, East Side. You, you, a lot of people will be surprised by this, but there are some decent people in the Upper East Side. Yeah. But that being said, there's a lot of snobs. It's more, materi- oh, yeah. more materialistic. Oh, yeah. <coughs> 
Um, if you walk around on the Upper East Side, except maybe Saturday night, the streets are empty. There's huge apartments and nobody's on the street. Yeah. And it's just a different vibe. It feels, and maybe this is my own prejudice because I'm creative. It feels like less creative people, um, less warm, I think, less friendly. And when I wrote what you are talking about, New York was considered, um, you know, somebody wrote how unfriendly New York was. And a friend of mine from Brooklyn said, how do you deal with these snobby Manhattanites? And I said, they're not all snobby. There is a stereotype, but there is a hierarchy. New York, Manhattanites look down, whether they say it or not, on the rest of the boroughs. We're in the top borough. This is the place to be. Now Brooklyn's coming up fast. It is coming up, but my trend. best friend still yeah. wants to live in Manhattan. He lives yeah. in Brooklyn. And, and I said, my brother and I, Bristol, when I said, you know, you're coming to the city. This is the city. Brooklyn's part of the city. Yeah, right. I'm like, yeah. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but Brooklynites, that's the next higher. Then it becomes Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, the Bronx. Okay. So which right. one is the friendliest? Um, not, friendliest well, I borough. wrote not the friendliest borough. I'd say is probably Brooklyn and Staten Island. Believe it or not. Okay, you didn't write about this. Which is the handsomest? The handsomest on oh, New York, Manhattan. Manhattan. Oh yeah, best right. looking people. Right, well, I'm, the actors live here. That's right. I'm, I'm looking. Look I'm around. Looking look at, at the these people passing by. Wait, look at these waiter actors. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Just and entering the bar here. At, at Waving. See, they're from. Yeah. Yeah, they're, not from they're not from Manhattan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they waved at you. Right. So maybe we can end this BCR chat okay. with Mike Vogel, author of New York Attitude. By looking at a column you wrote in 2013 for Newsday and AM New York titled, Happy to be a New Yorker on Thanksgiving. Okay. You remember that column? I write one every Thanksgiving, so I'll refresh my okay, okay. Okay. Well, this will be easy. Okay. You argue, yeah. that you, that we, you argue that we should be happy because we don't need a car. Right. Right. Well, she owns a car. Yeah. I didn't want it. Well, my point she was... She wanted a car. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah. I didn't say you can't And we live on car. the Upper West Side. <laughs> right. Live, right up the street. Why would you need a car? I did Mike, go ahead and go for it. <laughs> well... You have to listen to our uh, another podcast. Okay. We already okay. had this discussion. Okay. Yeah, all right. All right. All You're, and this is unfair. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you don't really need a car. You got no, I said you don't need... You, you can have one, but you don't need one. Right. That's my point. I yeah. bike everywhere. Yeah. I'm on my bike. Yeah, there you go. And I take right. the subway. You can find any type of food five minutes from home. Right. And contrast that with, uh, you talk about takeout in Westchester. I was, dating, I was dating somebody in Westchester, and she went to work, and I was hungry, and I went to look for something to eat. And I started walking and walking, and it was five <laughs> miles, and there was nothing but golf courses. And finally, I got to a takeout Chinese restaurant. And, um, I, you know, I said, chow fan? No, don't have. No. No. Nope. no. This, don't have. No. Wonton soup, yes. Yes. And then when you come home, you can get whatever you want. When I come home, 2 in the morning, I can go get a, you know, bomb me sandwich at the local deli and I'm um, spoiled. Yeah. I mean, Upper West Side, I mean, here we are. We're at Gephardt's. We're just like a walk from our house. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. At exactly. This, at this great place. And it's yeah. in our neighborhood. It's our neighborhood. And, um, well, I'm moving. I'm, I'm on West 85th. I'm moving up to West 95th. Oh, okay. You're in the area. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but still, you could walk out and within two, three minutes get anything. So yeah, absolutely, true. Yeah. almost at any time. And any, um, right, almost. It used to be before p the pandemic, the even the vegetable stores on the corner would stay open 24 hours. Right. Now they don't stay. We have one that still does. But yeah, there are 24-hour yeah. Korean delis yeah. and bodegas. And yeah, 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 sure, you can find them. They're there. Lowest crime rate of any U.S. major city. I, I think that's still true. I wrote that to you two or three years ago, I think, maybe more. But um, 
it's still low compared to other cities like Chicago is crime ridden. Yeah. But it's gotten worse under de Blasio. It really has, no matter what he. And during the pandemic, I think it's all over. It, well, worse. It, you know, I mean, literally, it got lower because nobody was out. But compared to you know per person outside, it is a lot of crime, especially on the subway. Uh, there's a lot of people in even our neighborhood now who were attacking people sitting outside eating. And de Blasio kind of let things slide. And I don't think it's the way people describe, well, it's back to the 70s and 80s. It's no, not. It's, it's not. fine. Nothing and, like that. And, no. But like Fox News likes to, you know, demonize New York. There you right, go. It's, there the, you media. Go. it's and, the media. And then people come in, oh, I heard you're really, you know, relative school. Boy, you're going through hell. I'm like, no, I'm not. I heard them, <laughs> on the radio this morning, NPR this morning, they were saying that the crime rate's a little higher, but it's still around 219 um, levels, which was not, yeah. ba- not bad. It's, right. it's not bad. It's not as good as it was maybe 10 years ago, but it's fine. Let me, we're sitting here. It's fine. Yeah, it's right. Well, we, we were in Riverside Park doing a podcast on right. Thursday, and it was into the evening, and right. it was filled with people, and didn't feel, you know, except for the squirrels. I, I, I felt good. <laughs> Can I watch them? Yeah, yes, yeah the yeah, attack yeah. squirrels, right? Yeah. right. Subway runs 24-7. Yeah, that's right. There you go. That's right. I mean, where else does it do that? Nowhere. I don't think anywhere nowhere. in the world. Nowhere in the, nowhere in the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All interests are covered. That's right. Bird watching, bocce. Craft beers galore. Which we're having some right now. New York yeah. ukulele workshop. That's right. I once took um, a drumming class, Japanese drumming class, okay. for a while. Talk about variety. And, and you forgot the New York Lawn Bowling Club. Oh, I'm sorry. That's yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going to invite you out and we'll play sometime <laughs> okay. in, Cent- okay. in Central Park, which is like, like, uh, like bocce. Yeah. Our neighbors are respected, not mocked, for being literate and believing in science. There you go. That's right. I think for the most part, that's true. I don't think not for everybody, but for the most part. The most part, it's true. I mean, you go on the subway and everybody's wearing a mask. You know, they, yeah. they actually follow the science. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. Um, and yeah, nobody's mocked for um, whatever, gay, straight, religion, color. I mean, people are forced together on the subway. You press almost nose to nose. So you're not getting your impressions from watching some riot on TV. You're getting your impressions from everyday Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. That's right. I mean, we have to face each other. Yeah. You can't generalize that way. Well, they're all like this. No, they're not. They're not like that. Basically, yeah. they're pretty good people. Yeah, they're people going to work. I love New Yorkers. Right. It's whatever group. Because you know better. You I, know remember, better. I remember moving here with some of the same prejudices. And as I you know, learned over the years, I think New Yorkers are great. Yeah. And then when I go home to visit my mom and I go to a deli to get some meat for in the, in the grocery store and the woman starts talking to me about everything that's going on in her life, I was, I'm like... I wish I was in New York right now. They would right. just give me my salami and let me go. Right, right. <laughs> I know, you don't want to go, get a life. You know, right. Get a life. I'm like going, ah, yeah. ah. Yeah. That's what your husband's for. Right. Yeah. And this one we like especially because our son is a huge Yankees fan. Okay. And we were Yankees fan in the 70s. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kind of got, yeah. Uh, so we are thankful for having had the pleasure of watching the great, classy Mariano Rivera and oh, Derek Jeter guy. and David Wright for about two decades. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Pretty special. I mean, it was. It yeah. is. And, I mean, you could walk down any street within two or three minutes walking around. Something interesting to see. It's yeah. not boring. And we take that for granted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. It's always something yeah, going on. There's always something going on, and there's always something good to eat, and there's always interesting people to meet. Yep. And there's Riverside Park, and yeah, et cetera. There's et cetera. nothing, yeah, Riverside, there's nothing better than sitting on a park bench or sitting at a bar. Right. You're on the porch at Gephardt's and just seeing people walk by. Right. Just right. looking at the people. Yeah. Right. People right. watching. Yeah. Mike Vogel. Yes. It has been a pleasure. Yes. Uh, we were lucky Likewise. that you deigned to talk with us <laughs> a couple deign. of weeks ago in Riverside <laughs> Park, and we urge 
BCR listeners to get a copy of Mike's observations of our city in his new book, New York Attitude. Thank we you. We are Bar Thanks. Crawl Radio, and once again, talking with interesting people in our favorite Upper West Side bars, Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar, for one, for sure. And we want to congratulate Matt Gephardt and his staff for surviving during this ongoing pandemic, and stay safe, all. And uh, once again, we want to thank Wade Ripka and his Eastern Blockheads band for the BCR intro and outro music. And we hope to see you, Wade, at Barbez in Brooklyn in the near future. You know Barbez? No. Lovely little bar, little, little jazz Where music is it? bar. Where is it? It's on 9th Street. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I don't get that name. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't. You don't get the Brooklyn name. Right. Thank you, Mike. Except when okay. you're visiting your brother. Yeah, well, this was nice. Thank you. Thank Great. you. Absolutely.